welcome you to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you to the beginning of a brand new series entitled Relationship Goals. Relationship Goals. February is a month filled with love and relationships. It's got that, that one day in there. It's called Valentine's Day. And no, you haven't missed it yet. In fact, you got a little bit of an extra time. You got about a little bit over a week until Valentine's Day. So just a hint for that. But February is a month filled with relationships. So this, this series isn't necessarily about love and dating, but it's about relationships. We're going to be looking at a, a number of different kinds of relationships. February often does have to do with love and connection. In fact, uh, if you are a Hallmark person, how many of you are Hallmark people? We just com just completed, right, Hallmark Christmas movies, and uh, now it is, uh, in case you didn't know, look at your calendar, it's Loveuary. Loveuary. January or February? No, it's Loveuary. It's, it's the two months of Hallmark Loveuary movies, and that's going to be followed by springtime love and Easter love and summer love and before we get back to Christmas love, right? All of the relationship movies. It typically is about individuals finding one another, right? That's the, at the heartbeat of every uh, movie. I'll never forget it. When I was a single guy, I was a single youth pastor. I graduated from Bible college in 1996. I didn't meet Kim until 1999 at Big Prairie. So three, three plus years of being a single in youth ministry. And, you know, when, when you're a single guy and you're kind of wanting to find that special someone and you don't, at least for a while, then sometimes these movies irritate you. I remember a movie in the mid to late 90s. Uh, it was entitled Jungle to Jungle. Starred Tim Allen. Uh, Tim Allen was from Home Improvement uh, and the guy from the Santa Claus movies, right? And he was a dad, and I think it was something about he had this son who was born and raised in the Amazon jungle he didn't know about and brought him back to New York City. The basic premise of the movie is, guess what? Jungle Boy gets a girlfriend. Jungle Boy. Guy raised in, in the Amazon jungle comes to New York City, and he finds a girl. So that's everything, you know, from the, whether it's the Hallmark movies or Jungle to Jungle, the, the classic love story is, uh, you know, that they, these two lovers find each other. Now, that's certainly a kind of relationship. Uh, again, we're not looking at the dating relationships, but we're going to be looking at a number of different kinds of relationships this month. We'll look at relationships when it comes to friendships, when it comes to others, relationships hopefully to build and develop with the lost. But today we're going to be looking at hopefully what is the most important relationship of your life. That's the relationship with God. A relationship with God. And I want you to understand that before we jump in any further into the study or the series, that God desires a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. In fact, this whole Bible, this Word of God, it's filled with stories and poems and writings and letters and laws and proverbs and prophecies and it's all with one entire message 
Old Testament is, is pointing to Jesus Christ. New Testament is about Jesus Christ, but it's all about God, his son Jesus Christ, and his desire to have a relationship with you and with me. God wants you to get to know him, to love him, to spend eternity with him. Now, I trust that you know him. If you know him, you're going to hear a little bit more about why and how. And if not, you're going to have an opportunity before this day is over to respond and have that opportunity with him. The question is, do you have a relationship? Not just do you know about God, but do you have a relationship with God? Maybe you've been going to church week after week or month after month or year after year. Maybe you were a wee little kid and you remember flannel graphs. You know, the fuzzy little characters that you stick to the wall and, and tell the stories. Maybe you've heard a lot of the Bible stories as a kid. Maybe you've sat through a number of studies as an adult. Maybe you've gone through a lot of Sunday services. The question is not, do you know about God, but do you have a relationship with God? This isn't just knowing about him intellectually. I mean, we're at the tail end here of the football season. It's almost time for the Super Bowl. And there are two teams who are in the Super Bowl and quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and a whole bunch of people who didn't make the Super Bowl. Some of your teams, most of our teams are not, no longer in there. When it comes to your favorite player, your favorite, you know, your coach, your quarterback, you might know a lot of things about them. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I have been since I was a little kid. And I know a lot about the Dallas Cowboys. I can go back years and I can remember games and I can remember statistics. And I can still tell you about some of the players when I was a boy in the 1980s. Some of you probably go farther back in some of your teams, right? You can probably tell me a lot about someone. But that's not the same as knowing the person. I can know about Dak Prescott. I can know about Ezekiel Elliott, who also played for the Buckeyes. OH! Okay. Oh, yeah. I had to work that one in. There's a lot of things I know about my favorite team, my favorite players. I would venture to say you've got your own. But I would also venture to say, very few of us, if any, have ever met personally one of those players. And if so, it's probably in passing. Maybe you got, a, you got an autograph. You were in an autograph line. How deep did you get to know somebody when you said, sign my name? So there's a big difference between knowing about somebody, your favorite player, and really knowing them. Much like there's a big difference between knowing about God, knowing that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament as two parts of the Bible, knowing uh, maybe the number of books in the Bible, or knowing a handful of verses from the Bible, or knowing some facts and figures and trivia about the Bible. Those are all good things. But the question is, do you and I know God? And so the relationship 
goal, number one, the goal for today is this. I want to challenge you and I to connect to God. That's the very first goal. Now, for many of you, many of you right here in person, many of you watching or listening online, you have a relationship with God, and you say, I'm there, Pastor Mark, I am there. I have connected to God. I don't just know some things about God, but I know him. I know God personally. That's awesome. And if that's you and a whole bunch of you, we're going we're gonna to learn a little bit more about why we ought to connect. But if in person or watching or listening online, you've not formed, you've not established that relationship with God, you're going to have an opportunity before we're done. All right, connecting with God. Why ought we to do that? First of all, I want to encourage you with this. God is for us. Paul himself writes this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, he says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that a good scripture? In fact, let's just make sure that we understand that. I'm going to invite you to repeat that phrase with me. So you're going to have to be good and loud so we can hear you. Just simply say, God is for me. All right, now, now we're going to do that four more times. We're going to emphasize every single word a little differently. So emphasis on the first word. Are you ready? God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. And God is for me. All right. You can say that a whole lot more times, but every single time it rings true. God is for you. God is for me. God is not that, that angry villain up in the sky ready to smash us. Sometimes we, you get the idea about superhero and supervillains. Some of you are into superhero movies, and uh, whatever uh, universe you're into... There's always the good guys, there's the, the, the superheroes, whether that's Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or any of those other individuals. And then there's the whole host of villains, right? Every time the villain is introduced, uh, what happens? Uh, they're always out to, to wreak havoc upon the world, wreak havoc upon a city, wreak havoc upon a particular person, right? Right? It's the, almost their vendetta. It's this vendetta against Superman or vendetta against Batman. They're out to crush the individuals. Sometimes that's the, the mindset that we think when it comes to God. God's up in heaven, and he's looking down at you and I, and he's just ready to swat us like the bug that maybe we think we are. Or maybe to put it a different way, uh, God's playing the game of whack-a-mole. You ever played the game of whack-a-mole at, uh, at a, maybe a fair? Or for me, I think back when our girls were little, back at uh, Chuck E. Cheese. You know, you got that, that big kind of puffy mallet and, and, and you know, a bunch of holes, sometimes nine or sometimes more. And once the game starts, all these little moles or little whatever they are, they'll pop up and sometimes more than one in, in a hole. And you've got this, this padded mallet and you've got to whack them back down into the hole. And it's kind of fun, right? Because you just, you're just whacking them and kind of bopping them on the head. And sometimes that's the thought about God. 
The God's up in heaven, not with his padded mallet, but, but God's up there with his fist, and he's just, he's just looking for you, and he's just ready to pound us back down through the hole. Paul's saying that God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? God loves you like crazy with a tender and a compassionate, a powerful love. Sometimes it's, it's hard to get through our minds, hard to get through our sometimes thick-headed skulls, how much God loves us. Probably the most familiar, most famous verse in all of Scripture is what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he did what? He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would never die, never perish, but have everlasting life. That's a God who loves you and a God who loves me like crazy. God is for us. He desires a relationship with us. Sometimes the thought is, God's just out to pound me. When the truth of the matter is, God's reaching out to me. God desires a relationship. God desires that relationship with me. Nowhere else do we find a God who loves people like God. You think about even many of the other world religions, and you go religion by religion. Not one do you see that has that heart of love and of compassion for people like God. Now you look to the Word of God and think about the vocabulary. Think about some of the terms that he uses. Now, you and I, uh, maybe, maybe it's with a spouse or maybe with a family member. Uh, you ever have pet names? Nicknames, one for another? Well, you might not use some of those. They might be a little silly. Sometimes they might be a little ooey-gooey and gushy, right? You know, the, the honey bunches and, you know... Those kinds of things. You, you've got nicknames, you know, for that special someone. Now, as well, sometimes there's nicknames, and, and many times, you know, guys give not-so-flattering nicknames to one another, sometimes as terms of endearment. But you look in the Word of God, and there's a number of names and terms of how he refers to you and I. In the New Testament, we're called his bride. He speaks with tender words. He calls us his beloved. He refers to us as his little children. In fact, John chapter 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. He desires a relationship with you and a relationship with me. Those are some terms and names and, and things that would be positive. He loves you so much as a friend, as a, a child, as his dearly beloved. That's what happens when you and I understand that God is for us. So I want to challenge you right off the bat, beginning of the month, beginning of the, of the series, is to connect with God because God is for you. God is for me. I would venture to say at some point in time, we've had people against 
us, right? Could be a friend, could be a family member, could be somebody at school, somebody at work, just somebody out in the community. And for whatever reason, it just seems like their goal is to annoy or pick or irritate or just do everything they can to oppose you. Ever found somebody like that? A blessing like that in your life? Sometimes we've had that. That's not God. God is for you. He's for me. Connect to him. Not only is he for us, but secondly, God accepts us as we are. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 9, Paul says, I'm convinced nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, angels can't, demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Nothing's going to separate us from his love. It says whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a powerful, all-encompassing love that reaches out to you and to me. He reaches out to you and I no matter where we are or what we've done. I don't know if that blows your mind, but doesn't that blow mine? Because when it comes to you and I, how we accept other people tends to be based on what they do. You treat me well, eh, I'll probably treat you well. You don't treat me well, you just watch out for what I'm going to do to you. Isn't that human nature? And so how we respond to others, it's really like, well, how are you going to respond to me? And so if someone's not so nice to you, we're not too nice to them. I want you to think back to your life. How many of you have been not so nice one time or two in your life? One time or two, maybe in the past month, one time or two in the past week or day, right? We've had some of those moments. And when we're not so nice to somebody else, uh, we're, we're probably not the most lovable, right? And yet, in spite of everything you've done and I've done, Paul also says in Romans that God commended his love towards us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. While we were in sin, while we were living our our life completely against God, he loved us. While we were kind of sticking up our noses at God, saying, God, I don't need you. I don't want you in my life. God was giving his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross. He's ready to love you and to accept you as you are. I came across this story from author Lee Strobel, and he was writing about a 19-year-old American in the United States Army. He went to Korea in the past for the Korean War. He met a girl in Korea. Uh, She got pregnant, and then goes home after duty, never speaks to her again. So she's left now with this child. In Korea, their dating an American was uh, rather a taboo, and now this baby girl stands out. Her family kicked her out of the house. Society was rejecting her. And so the mother abandoned the girl in the streets at the age of seven. 
She was in rags, on the streets, eating garbage. All this little girl knows in her life is rejection. The name that she had was a a pretty ugly term given to her based on her situation. She ends up in an orphanage, dirty, overcrowded orphanage. One day an American couple visits. They were wanting to adopt a little boy, but they see her. The husband sees her, walks up to her. Something just kind of leaps within his heart. He looks at her and says, I choose her. This is the one I want. This is the one that we want. And, and this man, he was taking the little girl's face in his hands and saying, you are precious to me. I love you. It's a little bit of a, a just tiny representation of how God views you and how God views me. In the midst of a situation that's not the best, this little girl having grown up in a difficult life, you and I in a difficult life of sin, making some choices and decisions that are away from God, God looks to you, God looks to me and says, I choose you. I give my son Jesus Christ to die upon the cross for you. God is for you. God accepts you as you are. But thirdly, God loves you too much to leave you that way. God loves you too much to leave you that way. He loves you, yes. He accepts you, yes, no matter what. That's the good news. No matter what your past has been like. And your past could be Last week, last month, last year, last decade, last century, I don't care how far back you go. I don't know what kind of stuff you've been a part of or what you've been involved in. God looks to that and says, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want to cleanse and forgive and give you a brand new start. In the midst of all that, he sees you, he sees me. And loves and accepts us no matter what. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. God desires that you and I would be pure and would be holy. He desires to, in a sense, clean us up. The the couple who adopted that little girl, they wanted to, to help her out. She'd been through a whole lot in her past and in her life. They're wanting to reach out and to bless her. You think of what Jesus did as he saw people in Scripture. Think about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. These were religious leaders who had found her and caught her. They weren't really concerned about her as a person. This was about trying to trap Jesus in a response. Jesus was concerned about her, concerned about her as a person. Now, certainly Jesus loved her. Certainly Jesus would accept her where she is. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, whatever you're doing is cool. You just live your life. You do you. That's not what he said. Jesus said, go and sin no more. John chapter 8, verse 11, NIV says, Go now and leave your life 
of sin. It was love. It was care. It was acceptance. But it was instruction to say, turn your life, surrender to me, and allow me to give you a brand new start. He's going to love and accept us right where we are, but he wants us to turn to him. He wants us to allow him to come and to clean and to cleanse and to forgive our lives. God desires to change our heart. Scripture talks about a a brand new and a soft heart that he would desire to give. He's got a reason, got a purpose for you and I to live in our lives. God wants to develop that heart for others. As he's come, as he's changed and transformed our heart and lives, he desires that we would have that heart for other people to see them be changed and grow. God's for us. God accepts us as we are. He loves us too much to leave us that way. And finally, God loves you too much to give up on you. Isaiah 43, verse 25, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That's a pretty powerful verse. To blot out our sin, to blot out the transgression and remember it no more. Boy, we struggle with that. Because the the ever-popular phrase is, I'll forgive, but I won't. You've said it too. Man, when we, when we have been hurt, and somebody says something, somebody does something, it, it takes a lot for us to forgive, right? But deep down, what we're really saying is, I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. And don't you dare think about doing that again, or I'm really going to get you. I mean, we put all these words kind of in parentheses, mumbled under our breath after the forgiveness aspect. And here's God who, when you think about how people have lived their lives against and treated him, he says he's the one who blots out the transgressions. He cleanses. He forgives our sins he says, for my own sake, I remember your sins no more. How many of you want to start like that, a fresh start like that? I would venture to say there's been at least one point in time in your life when you've said or done something that's been super embarrassing. You've stuck your foot in your mouth. You've said something and you were embarrassed or you got, you got mad and said something and then you wished you could kind of reel those words back in. Anybody wish you could kind of uh, hit the rewind on some of your words? Hit the rewind on some of your actions? Because you realized you really hurt somebody by what you said or what you did. And now based on what you said, based on what you did, That person or everybody who was around when you said or did what you did is always going to think of you that way. Maybe it's maybe it's been something in your life and it's taken you an uh, awful long time. It's taken you an awful long time to kind of live out or live beyond that story. Maybe you got a nickname out of it. Based on what you said, based on what you did, oh, there goes so-and-so. And 
What are they doing? They keep referring to that situation. You know when she, when he. And you can't get out of the shadow. You can't escape the past of what you did, of what you said. Chances are we've all done something like that. Maybe not life-altering, but at the very least, embarrassing. I'd venture to say there's no doubt sin in our lives. Jesus blots out the transgression, gives a brand new start, and remembers the sin no more. That's the kind of start that I want. That's the kind of start that I've received in my life. That the sins of my past are remembered no more. I've got a brand new start. It's not anything that I could do. I can't do enough good things to earn myself a free start, a fresh start. But it's God who did that. It's a powerful concept. No matter what your past has been like, the lying, cheating, stealing, etc., emphasis on etc., there's a lot of things that we've done in our lives. God comes, cleanses, forgives, and gives a brand new start. Maybe you've heard the story years ago about David Wilkerson, his ministry to the gang members of New York City. He found the leader, the head guy, biggest and baddest, the name of Nicky Cruz. He began witnessing to this man. He wanted Nicky, though he was the head of this incredible gang in New York City, he wanted him to know of the love, the powerful love of God. But Nicky, as many people who are in a life of sin, thought of it and thought of him as a joke. He began to get mad as one by one other gang members would leave the gang and accept God into their life, receiving that brand new start. His words to David Wilkerson were something to this effect. He says, I don't want to hear another word about God's love or else I'll cut you in a thousand pieces. How about that for just a little pick-me-up? Threatened with your life. Don't tell me any more about the love of God, or I'll cut you in a thousand pieces. David Wilkerson's response was something to this respect. He said, if you cut me in a thousand pieces, each and every one will say, God loves you, and so do I. A pretty, pretty powerful statement to respond. That unconditional love, that love that, that didn't give up on him kind of love, finally prompted Nicky Cruz to surrender his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what it is that you've done. I don't know what it is that you've said. I don't know what your past includes. But I know it includes sin, just as mine has. That's what God's word says. All have sinned, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. The good news is God loves you so much, so much so he doesn't want to give up on you, so much so he's given his son Jesus Christ for you. He desires that relationship with you. The question isn't, Are you going to reject me as a pastor who's giving the opportunity or invitation, but are you going to accept or reject God, a relationship with him? 
He wants you to accept his love, that free gift. It's your choice. It's my choice to accept what he has done for us. Now, here's the thing. The longer you and I remain in indecision, the more comfortable, uh, more comfortable it is to be there. Because many times you've heard somebody say, well, I'm not ready yet. Maybe later. Maybe let me get some things taken care of, and then I'll give my life to God. So indecision, and the more you don't decide, the more you remain in indecision. It's, it's kind of comfortable living there. Eventually, indecision becomes a decision. If you had tickets to fly to Hawaii, that might, anybody like a couple of tickets to Hawaii right about now? All the snow going on. Okay, so, so visualize with me. You've got tickets to Hawaii this Friday at noon. And then you're deciding, well, I'm not sure if I want to go. Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. If your tickets are for Friday at noon and the clock hits 12.01, your indecision has become a decision. You didn't get on that plane and go. And so time after time after time, opportunity comes and opportunity comes. And the more we put off a decision, the more that that becomes our decision. Relationship goal number one is to connect to God. Why? Because God is for us. He is for you. He is for me. And if God's for us, who can be against us? He loves you, accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to cleanse. He wants to forgive. He wants to give a brand new start with him as Lord and Savior of your life. And he loves you so much, he doesn't want to give up on you. He wants to extend that opportunity to reach out. God so loved the world, he gave. What's the result of that? If you believe in him, you receive everlasting life. Now, back to the story of the girl. One of the things that I didn't tell you about that before was this. First time that that little girl saw this American couple. And that man walked over to her as, as he was about to just kind of you know, place her head in his hands and, and tell about his love for her. You see, she never experienced any of that. All she had experienced was rejection and being an outcast into society. So this couple comes to her, tries to show and experience love. It was nothing that she had experienced. And so her response was to curse and to spit in their face. Fortunately, the couple did not stop there. They kept trying to love, kept trying to engage into that relationship with her. Eventually, she said yes and accepted. And they welcomed her with open arms into their family. Kind of a picture of you and I. Maybe, maybe not to the aspect of spinning in God's face, but... When we've lived our own life and we've lived against God and we live a life of sin, 
we're going completely against God and what he desires for us. And yet, in spite of all the stuff we've done, he reaches out, in a sense, kind of putting our heads in his hands. As he says, I love you, I care for you, and I desire a relationship with you. 